This is World Lutheran News Digest, an audio news magazine bringing you a look at significant events in worldwide Lutheranism. WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO, a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today on World Lutheran News Digest... I'm World Lutheran News Digest host Kip Allen. Welcome to the start of a new year. January is especially important to Christians. This is the month when we remember and protest the infamous Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion on demand. In the 46 years since that ruling, approximately 60 million babies have been killed. On Friday, January the 19th, thousands of pro-life supporters are gathering in Washington, D.C. for a march and rally affirming the sanctity of life. In addition, there will be conferences and workshops, as well as marches all around the country. This is the 45th year in a row that supporters of life have marched, and the numbers keep growing. As usual, the LCMS will have a significant presence at the event. My guest today is the Reverend Dr. Gregory Seltz, Executive Director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty in the nation's capital and Lutheran Hour Speaker Emeritus, and we'll be discussing these very important issues. And now today's Fast Track. Planned Parenthood says its affiliates did nearly 322,000 abortions in the fiscal year that ended on September 30th, 2016, according to its newly released 2016-2017 annual report. In the same report, Planned Parenthood says its affiliates received nearly $544 million in payments from the government in form of government health services reimbursements and grants in the year that ended on June 30, 2017. Because 2016 was a leap year that included 366 days, the nearly 322,000 abortions Planned Parenthood did during that fiscal year equaled approximately 878 for every day of the year. The Justice Department has made clear its proposed ban on transgender military recruits is on hold. This means that enlistment can start immediately. But the future for transgender people in the armed forces remains murky. The Justice Department is not dropping its court fight to institute the ban on transgender enlistment. The Justice Department on Friday said that it would wait for a Pentagon study on the issue in coming weeks before deciding what to do next. President Donald Trump said in July that the government would not allow transgender people to serve in the military, reversing an Obama-era policy that was put into effect the last year of President Obama's presidency. So far, President Trump has been unable to achieve the prohibition. The Lutheran Women's Missionary League, also known as Lutheran Women in Mission, has presented its first 2017 to 2019 mission grant to support LCMS missionaries. The $100,000 grant will provide $10,000 each to assist nine missionaries and missionary families already serving in Burkina Faso, Kenya and Ethiopia, Hong Kong, Peru, and St. Petersburg. This as well as another missionary who's been called to serve in Thailand. The check was presented last month by LWML Treasurer Marilyn Schroeder to the Reverend Dr. Brent Smith and Gary Tice, Mission Development Counselors at Mission Central. That's a group that works to connect people with opportunities to directly support LCMS missionaries. Pakistan's Supreme Court exonerated a man who was convicted of blasphemy, this after he served nine years of a life sentence in prison. This is World Lutheran News Digest. 
ഇത് ലോക ലൂത്രൻ വാർത്താ പരിപാടി ആകുന്നു Boy, I tell you, we've got a lot going on. We've got the 45th March for Life planned in Washington, D.C. It's coming up on January the 19th. Right. Can you believe it's been 46 years now since Roe v. Wade came yeah. down the line? 60 million deaths have been snuffed out. Well, and like I said, when we talk about this, especially for the center, you know, this is the Liberty Month and the Life Month, and these are two fundamental things in our society. If these kinds of things give way, uh, all kinds of hell can break loose. You know, the civility, the humanity, and when you see 60 million kids disposed of, and nobody seems to bother with that a whole lot, except for those of us who are going to be marching, you start to wonder, wow, what could come after that? And so that's why it's important for us to march it's important for us to say we're not just marching for ourselves we're marching for all the people in this culture we're saying your life really does matter well now we've been seeing some legislation especially overseas but now it's starting to creep into the united states right. where uh, children who are, are diagnosed with down syndrome right are aborted well you know it goes back to francis schaefer he, he talked about it was called whatever happened to the human race i know there's a video series and i remember watching that when i was in college and he said he talked about it, once you determine that there's certain lives that are not worth living You can dispose of them mm. as if they're like garbage or like a little ant and you just step on them. And when you start to see babies in the womb who are so vulnerable, but we can dispose of them. Down syndrome, even when they're born, there are people who say, well, should we dispose of them? Older people, when you start saying, well, how valuable are they to society? See, sanctity of life says these are human beings. You know, there's a, there's a preciousness and a sanctity to life, even lives we don't always agree with. Uh, but that sets the tone for the society we have. So and, we've got to fight for this. And we as Lutherans recognize life begins at, at conception, at conception yeah. and it ends at natural death. And that's a scientific answer, too. Yeah. It's not just a re religious theological answer. And that's what's so troublesome today. Everyone's saying, well, you quit, quit legislating your theology. I say, well, okay, well, then take the DNA test. Yeah. Because that, once that child is conceived, it will, it, will never go through, it will never go through the recapitulation process of, of Darwinism. That, that was debunked years and years ago. DNA says exactly what that child is. It's a child from the moment it's conceived. And then when it starts to feel pain, it is a child feel, feeling pain. It happens to be inside a mother's womb. What a beautiful thing that, that she's able to bring forth a new life. But that life is its own in many ways, too. So, again, the science even says this. No, it, absolutely it does. I, I was reading an article recently that uh, I think potentially has a, quite an impact on the issue is there is increasing evidence now that homosexuality is genetically linked. Yeah. And what happens to the pro-abortion side if it turns out that people start aborting fetuses because they are showing a predilection for homosexuality. Well, I don't know if they'll go that way. They might go the other way. The problem with DNA, in one sense, DNA is a good thing. In another sense, you got to be careful because DNA tells us that something is. It doesn't necessarily... So in this case, it tells us that's a human being. It can't yes. be anything else. Yeah. But that human being could also have predilections to all kinds of things that the DNA 
proscribes, but that DNA may not be healthy DNA. There's all kinds of things that are built into us physiologically that we have, uh, you know, sickle cell anemia. Well, that's DNA, but that's not a good thing. So you got to be careful a little bit with that. But I like what you're saying in the sense that whenever we determine, even even people whose uh, ideas we don't necessarily agree with, we still value them as human beings. And it would be scary if a culture could start to say, well, these human beings are valuable and these human beings are not. You know, that's really what Hitler did. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and when I tell people this, I said, the Christian, we've been fighting this against people like Hitler. We've been fighting this. Any, we, We're saying that life is precious. That doesn't mean everything we're doing is right, but life is precious. And if you don't have that fundamental principle, a civil society is, there's no way to, it can crumble all around you. And, you know, Margaret Sanger, the founder of uh, Planned Parenthood, was a eugenicist. She made no bones about it. Well, and, and not only that, I always try to tell when we do city ministry, I said she was the biggest racist there ever was. Oh, yeah. And and the whole idea of abortion was fundamentally uh, founded to get rid of the poor. Yeah, and, she referred and to them was, as weed people. Yeah, and that, and that was the undesirables. And she meant by that black people and, mm-hmm. and ethnic people who were unlike herself, who happened to be socioeconomically underneath her. I said, and now we're embracing this? And she actually gave <laughs> talks before the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Well, it was all part. See, people don't understand this whole idea of the master race. It flows from Darwinian understanding mm-hmm. of, of there's better species. There's species that are stronger. They deserve to live. The weak deserve to get wiped out. This is not what we teach. And it, it, it's a fundamental. It's foundation of racism. It's foundation of, of eugenics. It's the foundation of abortion. It's the foundation of all this. What we say is it's a sinful, broken world, but this is a human being. And we need to learn to love one another as we are loved by God. That means you have a fundamental, not only sanctity of your life, you, you have an inherent dignity as a human being. And, and you got to fight for these things, folks. You really do. And I was reading another article. It said, uh, and th- this came from the CDC, okay. that as of, I think it was 2014, was the most recent uh, finding that they had, but it was one third of all pregnancies in New York City were aborted. Oh, One I hadn't heard that yet. Third, we we had a my wife and I both served in the pro life clinics in New York City, and I think the one thing that scared us. And by the way, we worked with the Catholic Church in New York City. They were fond. Cardinal O'Connor was f- incredible when we were working there in the city. And what we, you know, all people always say, well, that's easy for you pro life people to you know to say the things you do. You don't really care about the the child or the mother. Well, we actually would allow that we would pay for the mother if she would keep that child, and even if she didn't want to give it up for adoption, we. Take care of it all the way through birth and so again this idea so we put our money where our mouth was but what was interesting is to have kids come in 14 15 year old kids come in and they would say get rid of this thing and you what do you mean thing well they knew they were pregnant and they just they thought we were an abortion clinic and they would come in thinking we were a clinic. And we'd say, no, this is a child. Once they knew we didn't do abortions, a lot of them left. But it was amazing how callous. These were 14, 15-year-old kids. And that's how they viewed this. And I thought, they had to be taught this. No. They, they, the, the, the preciousness and the beauty of life suddenly was was gone and i thought wow what got that child to that point where they could say get rid of this thing i got something to do tonight uh, and we saw that quite regularly probably the same thing that led to a 14 year old getting pregnant 
Well, that too, because sex has become so matter of fact. In fact, we're hearing that the, the the new generation is not all that sexually active because it's just been it, it's been made to be something that's not special anymore. It's just perfunctory. Yeah. Well, it's a lot. It's a lot more beautiful than that. Well, Planned Parenthood has got a uh, a very checkered past, and it's now uh, under yeah, federal so. investigation. The uh, U.S. Justice Department is looking at it for selling body parts, and right. Stem Express is, of course, uh, linked to that as well. But I happen to have a copy of uh, Planned Parenthood's most recent uh, annual report, which was published, I think, was like six months late okay. for some <laughs> mysterious reason. You've got to filter it, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And one of the things here, you hear this thing all the time, this, this statistic all the time, only 3% of their services are abortion. Yeah. Well, are they? And how do they count that? Yeah. And how? what does this mean in terms of their revenue? I mean, when you, when you get right down to it, a lot of times Christians are kind of blamed for things that they're really not responsible for. When we start talking about this, remember, this is a federally funded organization. Yeah. The, the first thing I would like is just defund them, because there's a sense where if you want to do this thing, you should have to pay for it. I mean, it, it's egregious to me that our government is in the abortion business. And so even just getting it to the point where it's a live and let live discussion, which I still disagree with, but at least that would be more honest, that what they have to do is sell this guy. Like we're doing these services services for women, which mm-hmm. they're not doing. And and like you said, those statistics, I don't know how they come to that because almost everything they do is abortion. Yeah, right? lies, damn lies and statistics. But for example, <laughs> they'll, they'll bring in a woman who'll have an abortion and then they'll give her a bunch of other tests at the same time. Okay. And then they classify it a different way. Yeah. And they classify it. Oh, well, we did this STI testing. Oh, well, we did this uh, health. Oh, we, we, we did yeah. the breast exam. That's another thing. Planned Parenthood is lists breast exams as part of their uh, services. Yeah. And uh, uh, in fact, they claim that they did over 300,000 of them last year. But they don't do more mammographies. Okay. What the so heck what is, are they doing? What, what are they doing? Yeah. See, I, I mean, you know, when you actually get down to this, we know that there's some of this investigating going on. We're finding out that they're just reclassifying their services in a way that, that's euphemistic. Yeah. Well, whenever you can't be straightforward about what you're actually doing, that should tell you something. And I think all we're asking for is, again that our government is actually doing this, then we should be able to know what's going on here and and clearly understand what's going on here. Well, one of the things that they do, and uh, it's kind of clever, really, when you get right down to it, is they say that their government funding, which, as you can see, is between a third and one half, well over a half a billion dollars annually. They say, well, because of the Hyde Amendment, those funds can't be used directly to support abortion. (laughs) But money's fungible. Yeah, it is. And every dollar that is used for, say, a government dollar that's given for, say, administrative costs is a dollar just freed up for abortion. Yeah, and, and there's a sense where this, the, again, w- we should be able to look at this. I, I don't think the government should be involved in this business at all. There's plenty of other ways for oh. providing the kind of care we're talking about where women have access to these care, to this care. And and we could never, our pro-life clinics never received a dime. No. We had to raise all that on our own, and we provided all kinds of services for people. So, again, the idea that, that we can't even just get to, to the point where people are paying for their services when these services are so egregious. Let alone, let's talk about what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, when Silent Scream, when you could not watch that video because it was too egregious. I remember uh, back, I guess, was that the 70s or 80s when the yeah, film came out? Yeah, it was a long time out. ago. Well, I can look at an appendix surgery on, on cable today. I can watch a doctor actually remove an appendix. Well, they're telling me the baby's no different than an appendix. Yeah. So how come I can't watch that on TV? Well, it's because it's a life, and they know it's a life. And so when you couldn't watch Silent Scream, that, that should tell you something. It should indeed. And, and the... 
as you pointed out, the lies that are being told and the self-deception. And I don't know which is worse. I don't know if it's self-deception or if it is simply they just no longer care. Well, I, I, let's let's put ourselves in the place too of, of the girl that gets pregnant too. I mean, I understand this. The sexual libertine, the sexual liber, uh, uh, revolution has put children at risk. There's no doubt about oh, it. Yeah. When a child, uh, when a child's told, "Don't worry about having sex with as many people as you want. Don't worry about that. It's 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 all part of the new way of doing things." But then you suddenly have this baby, and that changes your perspective on life. It's going to change that little girl's life it's going to change her uh, boyfriend's life and there's a sense where it's going to change it so dramatically and they were not taught that 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 was part of it they were taught that that's incidental to it and i said that's the issue today those are the that's the thing that's and and again so when you get in the middle of that now it's real and it's and it's punitive in a way that it never was meant to be when you thought of sex the way you thought of it, marriage the way you thought of it, and children the way you should think about it. Well, perhaps it, uh, you know, part of sex education, instead of treating that uh, gender as a social construct, right. they might concentrate a little bit on the consequences of, of or, or what we, you know, as Christians, we teach, you know, there's there's men, there's women, there's healthy man to man, there's healthy woman to woman, there's healthy man to woman. And even even there, sexuality is something that's a powerful force in the middle of a man and woman's relationship that we say marriage is the place where that becomes a beautiful thing. Well, we've been, our culture has been at war with that understanding of sexuality since the late 60s, but they don't seem to ever have to own up to their consequences. They don't have to own up to the STDs. They don't have to own up to the the, the uh, single family homes. They don't have to own up to all the kinds of things that are happening to people who buy into this way of living their life. But now suddenly go, wow, there's all kinds of consequences. To this. Especially in the minority communities where uh, uh, where uh, single family, uh, single family uh, uh, household, pardon, pardon me, sing, single uh parent households. Yeah. And what's happening is, I mean, you know, the poverty levels, you know, the ability to actually uh, get your education, which is fundamental to actually surviving and, and thriving in this culture. But, you know, it's not only the it's now Moynihan, when he did his report, it was 25 percent in the in the, the black community. And before the 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 stuff of the 60s, it was that the black community was actually more apt to have uh, intact households than the white community. Yeah. Was. And so something had changed. Well, now you've got black families, white families, Families and Hispanic families, it's like 40%, 50%, and 75% growing up without their fathers. Well, that just can't have good uh, ramifications for society. Whatever your politics are, whatever your faith base is, that just can't be good for a culture. And that's where we're at. And somebody taught us that this was okay. They did. They, that the idea that, well, men really aren't required. Or necessary, yeah. Yeah, that men aren't really necessary. Except we know that's not correct anymore. We know sociologically and psychologically that is not correct. A daughter needs her dad just as much as she needs her mom, especially at certain development times. And a boy definitely needs a father figure in the home as much as his mom's uh, love in the home. And once that's gone, you can't replace it I mean, if a guy has no parents, you know, obviously adoption is a wonderful thing. But the best thing is for him to have his intact family who cares about him or her as a son or a daughter. And that's psychologically and sociologically demonstrable. It's not just theologically correct. We were, ta- we were talking earlier about, you know, it, it's settled science, yeah, to steal a phrase. Yeah, and, you know, it just is. And and so there's a sense where, and even the science of, of family and things like that, a, a boy needs his father and his mother that's the best 
possible thing for that mm-hmm. child. Um, we don't live in a perfect world. I get that. But to say that that's not a, a good thing, that that's also incorrect. It is. So, And the abortion uh, rate, for example, in minority communities far outstrips the rate of of them in, in terms of uh, proportion to the population. Well, and think what it says to the, uh, you know, I, I, if, a, if a boy gets a girl pregnant, think what it's saying to him, too. It's saying to him, you're of no consequence to this. And if you just pay a few bucks, you don't have any responsibility. Well, this is not what we need to be teaching our, our young men. No, and that is reinforced <laughs> really by the feminist movement who says, well, if the woman's pregnant, the man has nothing what to, well, to say about it. Right. It, but again, it gives it, it also allows. <laughs> I, I say sometimes feminism creates some of these men, too, because it gives the man an out yeah. as well as a, I wish he had more. I wish he, the, the woman felt that he had responsibility. And I wish he did, too. And I, vice versa. But think of it. If you give a couple hundred bucks and, and you. Uh, send it in you basically are saying it's your kid well how can that child is as precious should be as precious to the the man as it is to the woman and it should be in the family structure and we're we're kind of flirting with this as if we can violate this with no consequences and it's been going on for a long time you know we're we're a whole generation at least it really has where the father doesn't even have to be notified and if he is he has no choice he has no voice whatsoever and and for for the dads out there who want to be involved this is a nightmare okay this is a nightmare you can see that too so but again we should be talking about this our our actions and our mores now are creating new ways of thinking about this it's they're creating this callousness to the child in the womb they're creating this idea that i don't need to father this child they're creating this idea into our their girls and into our boys well they don't just suddenly snap out of that when they're 25 or 30 years old no they, they carry that on into their family life too and and again we need moms and dads to raise their kids and discipline their kids so we can have a healthy society well there's only so much we can do within the church congregations but you are executive director now of the lutheran center for religious liberty where you're going to be based directly in washington dc working with a lot of public uh, policymakers and and uh, decision makers and uh, hopefully people who can start doing some leadership roles. Right. And we're trying to get them to understand that their work creates, um, it has ramifications in our society. So we're going to be there trying to explain why these principles matter. Mm-hmm. I always tell people the Christian worldview has created one of the most tolerant countries. It's not a perfect country. I get that. But it's created one of the most tolerant countries in the world. And once you start to erode these fundamental teachings about the value of the individual, uh, binding the state, the value of every life, these kinds of things, once they go away, so does tolerance, so does liberty, and, and, and violence and, and incivility reign. So we, we want to say to our Congress people who are doing their work, hey, these fundamental principles matter in your decision making. And and so we want to make sure that they're aware of that. And also we want to teach our own people how to be good to kingdom citizens and say, hey, we got a voice in this, too. We also have to reach out to the people who are not necessarily faith based, who are not necessarily right. religious. Well, now, this is where the opinion makers come in right. to play. And the center, hopefully, is going to be in heavily involved with this. Well, absolutely. And the thing is, is we can reach out. See, again, when you start, to, and we don't have time to talk about two kingdoms here, but left-hand kingdom means we're talking about a civility that transcends our own particular view of these things. There's a sense where we share some of these uh, views with people who are not even religious. There are people who are pro-life because they look at human beings as a unique thing in, in 
creation or however they see that. And they want to fight for those things, too. We can partner. We can dialogue with them. And again, in, in the civil realm, we have to learn how to talk scientifically, sociologically, psychologically. And it just so happens a lot of this stuff matches our theological teachings. You know, <laughs> so, anything about but, that. <laughs> but when you talk to folks about it, you got to be able to talk that way. Well, it means going on shows like The View. It means right. uh, linking directly. Well, I don't want to start there, but we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll eventually get to The View. <laughs> well, the Christians and the Lions would have had a better chance. Well, as long as there's a couple of us yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> I can just see it now. And in another upset, <laughs> yeah. here are the Christians, three Lions, one. Well, that's right. That's right. Yeah, but, but we need to be we need to be out there in the mix. And by the way, already, in, since I've been in D.C., I have talked to people from various perspectives, and they're excited about how we talk about these issues. So I... I'm, I'm already excited that our way of talking actually can transcend some of these kind of polarizations. Well, I think, you know, you really hit on it earlier in the con- earlier in the discussion when uh, you were saying that there is uh, this misperception right. of who and what we are uh, and the fact that science is so much on our side. Well, and a lot of these issues, these fundamental issues, yeah. you know, and that's Lutherans tend to only get agitated about politics when it's fundamental. So liberty, life, and, and the even the marriage question is a religious liberty question, mm-hmm. ultimately. So, you know, when we get involved, we're not talking about what speed limit we should drive or local laws and this and that. You should have sanctified common sense and get involved. But these are fundamental. Your society is going to be a civil society or not based on whether these things are honored. And so we want to get out there and say, guys, we got to fight for this, not just for our church, but for our neighbor who may not even be a member of our church. Absolutely. And again, there's there's so much in terms of the uh, of the, the public soapbox, if you will, right. where we can get up and get our voice out there, which we're not, we've not been doing and the media, frankly, hasn't been covering it very well. Well, they tend to treat it too like we're trying to defend ourselves. And I said, actually, we're not. We're trying to defend these principles which grant liberty to all of us. And so that's a different perception. And we, we, you're right. We do have to break the narrative. The narrative sometimes has put us in a box, but we didn't create that narrative. No, they did. They and did. They're and shaping the narrative. Shaping. And that's so the problem. We've we got to say, oh, wait a minute. Hey, we're fighting for the liberty of all people here. And so when we talk about First Amendment stuff, when we talk about Second Amendment stuff, we talk about the Tenth the Amendment. These are things that we're not saying the church is is fighting for it. We're saying the church realizes these are fundamental things and God's people have a have a responsibility to be citizens who fight for these things for others. Again, part of the left-hand kingdom, right-hand kingdom doctrine, uh, which we've discussed on other shows. Well, and the thing is, is because God is at work in the left-hand kingdom, we're called to undergird it, even when that's not a Christian who's my mayor. Well, uh, running out of time, uh, Dr. Seltz, I I would like to remind our audience also that you are going to be my guest on Free to Be Faithful in uh, January. Yeah. And a lot's going to happen in January. And we've already got our site. uh, We've got a place in D.C., 314th, 3rd Street Southeast, so we're there. Great. We'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about the Supreme Court. We'll be talking about the march. There's a lot going on. A lot going on. Dr. Seltz, I miss you on the Lutheran Hour. but (laughs) I miss being on the Lutheran Hour, too. (laughs) I love what you're doing. (laughs) It's great to be here. Thank you so much. World Lutheran News Digest may be heard every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. and again at 9.30 a.m. Saturday Central Time on Worldwide KFUO. It may also be heard anytime streaming online at kfuo.org. Join us again next Wednesday for another new edition of World Lutheran News Digest. I'm your host, Kip Allen. World Lutheran News Digest is a broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. 
WLN Digest is produced through the facilities of Worldwide KFUO. You can also listen to WLN Digest on demand at kfuo.org. To correspond with World Lutheran News Digest, email news at kfuo.org.